This is uh, Christ's Lesson 10, Crucifixion, our second last lesson. Um, yeah, it's, preparing for it this week was heavy, um, just because of the event in history that this is. And I found myself much less um, sort of studying the scriptures as I was just re- looking at them, thinking upon them, meditating upon them, and... and um, just realizing all that all that took place and even in my finite thinking not realizing everything that took place and the whole goal of this sort of first round of, of foundational teaching is it is gospel clarity and and there's a lot that takes place um, at the crucifixion and um, I know you guys bring a wealth of knowledge tonight and so I'm excited to see what we contribute to the discussion together collaboratively um, It'll probably be one of the lessons that we do kind of dive into a few more things versus staying high level uh, as we do with the others. I just figure it'll probably go there with us. Um, and that's okay. There's, there's so much bound up here. I mean, there's so many loops, closed doors, you know, like things completed here at the crucifixion, um, as well as we look forward to, to the ascension that'll come next. Um, so... Right now we're at the climax, if you can remember our timeline, of, of, of 4,000 years to God's unfolding plan of redemption for the world. And it says in 1 Peter 1.20 that, that he was chosen before the creation of the world and revealed in these last times for our sake, for your sake, the scripture says. So in this lesson, our hope is that we will revisit for many of us, refresh for many of us, but just be... Um, I mean, the gospel is for believers. I, I've been just reminded of that more and more lately. I mean, I think we were talking about it. The gospel is for believers. And so I hope that this lesson tonight just reminds us of, of our one means of rescue for a right relationship with God, um, blesses us and encourages us with the means that he provides, that he bridges this chasm uh, now and for eternity. And, and it all boils down to the one door, the one means, uh, and it's Jesus. So... If you remember last week, um, Jesus was arrested, tried before the Sanhedrin, Pilate, uh, the chief priests and leaders and elders and high, the high priest. Uh, they are all working together, scheming together um, in evil to create uh, dishonest testimonies against him. Um, he was beaten, spat upon, rejected by Israel. And many of the people who had rejoiced in him, as you can recall, uh, I think it was a lesson or two before that, in his triumphal entry, um, you know, they were praising him, thinking he was going to enter as a king to set the things that they thought that should be set right, right. But again, he was sort of upside writing things that they thought should be the other way. And and these people, as in, during his triumphal entry, um, were praising him in a very carnal, earthly, I think, sense, but praising him. And now, a little while after that, just days, his whipping and beatings leave him suffering in critical physical shape. And despite all of this, he continues forward with God's plan of rescue with total confidence and humility, resting in God's sovereign plan. And it's not like he was, he was, it wasn't, he wasn't forced. You think back to the Garden of Gethsemane as he was talking with his, with God the Father. And in unity, they, they proceeded with the plan, as it says in Peter, that was set forth before the creation of the world. And so, we get to this crux and, and he was going forward in this plan 
as our spotless lamb. You think of the great love that he endured. And, and I, know, I know it's quite popular in churches now and stuff to talk really down to the details of the, of the physical side of the crucifixion and the beatings and the bleeding. Um, and I don't, I don't really want to necessarily dive into that side of it tonight. We know it was horrendous. We know the physical side of it was horrendous. We, we know other people also were crucified as this form of execution. Um, but on the spiritual domain and, and the brokenness that happened and the wrath that happened that was poured out um, is beyond our ability to comprehend. And this is the love that is spoken of, that God would go through su- such lengths with his one and only son is spoken in John 3.16, the famous verse that we know, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus steps forward, as you guys remember, to, to take this cup, to drink from this cup of wrath in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you would take this cup from me, he says, but not my will, your will be done. So that wrath is our sin, right? And actually, I got it buried now because I got my sweater on tonight, but I... I put this back on for tonight to remember our, our sin debt ropes. I didn't want to burden you guys with more, you know, debt. So I just brought mine, uh, you know, to symbolize all of our sin debt rope. But it was our sin that was taking Jesus to this point. Or, or, or it was the evil at play. It was God's plan. Um, is what God gave Jesus to do. But it was our sin that put him there. And, uh, and, and um, Jesus was accepted as the suitable substitute, as we'll see. He had to become sin for us so that he could rescue us. Um, So the hook for tonight, and we'll read the scripture right after this in Mark uh, 15, first off. But the hook for tonight is what Jesus said on the cross. It is finished. So that's the idea we'll continue to loop through and talk about as we go forward. Um, let's read the scripture and then, then let's dive into what you guys did, um, this week, if you had time for those that had time to kind of summarize in your own words, uh, what happened in this story and then some thoughts and questions that came to mind and, and key words that jumped out at you. Um, would someone like to read nice and loud a, so that my mic can pick it up and B so that these guys can hear, um, maybe if just one person does Mark 15, 20 to 38, and then another person can do the John passage in chapter 19, verses uh, 30 to 42. <clears throat> Mark 15, 20 to 38. Just do it nice and loud. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put on his own clothes, and they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, <coughs> father of Alexander and Rufus was passing by on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgatha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, 
Come down from the cross and save yourself. Is that it? 38. 38. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes down, comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Thanks, Dave. <coughs> then John nineteen thirty to forty two. Same event, a few more details. <clears throat> when Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. It was a day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was the Passover. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken and their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus, but when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you may continue to believe. These things happened in fulfillment of the scriptures that say not one of his bones will be broken and they will look on the one they pierced. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take Jesus' body down. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus. <coughs> the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following the Jewish burial customs, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of the crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so, because it was a day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Heavy stuff, hey? Um, what did you guys, in your reading, what did you guys discover? What, what, uh, what thoughts came to mind or questions came to mind or as you paraphrase what we just read?
Holden. And either that they mocked him and ridiculed him. Or then we have Joseph and Nicodemus, who before were uh, secretive about their faith, doing something very bold and public to ensure that his body had proper burial. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You guys hear Dave? He's cutting out. Oh, sorry. Why do I should put that in the middle? I, I think I'm not going to let you guys see me. I'm just going to put you in the middle where maybe you'll be able to pick up people better. Whoa. Is that any better? Different? Well, I'll just turn the camera off. Uh, sorry, Dave. Um, yeah, let's just hear this thing. How do I turn my camera off? There. We'll just turn cameras off and... Uh, Where's the mic on the bottom? Or the I think the mic is on the bottom on these iPads, hey? I can hear you okay. Is the mic on the bottom of an iPad, Craig? Can you still uh, hear me okay? Can you hear good? Oh, it's going to fall. <laughs> Lay it down, you figure? Yeah. And turn yeah. the camera on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How's that, Craig? Uh, I can't see anything. That's okay. You can't what? But you can hear, right? Well, I can hear you anyways. I haven't heard anybody else yet, so. Okay, Dave's going to give you some thoughts. That'll be the next test. Can you hear me now? All right, what were you saying? Sorry. Well, I was just wondering if any of the same people who uh, hailed him as king actually came into Jerusalem on the, were there and the crowds and crucified him. It was the same people at all. Yeah, I think probability would be pretty high. Some people are Shows like the fickleness of man that are... <laughs> I was talking with somebody else earlier about you know protesting it's like if anyone has ever been in a protest i was in one as a kid i feel like but it's like there's there can be this you get caught up in the emotion you don't even know what you're saying or, or you know what you're saying but you kind of it's not even your thoughts perhaps and the and uh almost. yeah the pack exactly and i wonder if that's like a bit of what was going on there it's just like oh what's this about okay you know let's praise him he's coming in rejoice hosanna and then those, yeah, and then on the evil side of things, same same thing, perhaps? Yeah, well, they, they were a little bit stirred up, too, by the leaders, right? Like yeah. Really, uh, Seems like there was almost, like, seated people throughout a bit to sort of spur them, jeer them on in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, seem very weak at this point in time. Yeah. 
I mean, there's so, there's so much, what's the right word? I was trying to like par paradox, irony going on with the, you know, the, the crown, which was, you know, I, I see that as the curse, right? Like there was the curse placed upon him. We were talking about that last week and, and, it, you know, the, of course a crown for a king, a crown for, you know, he's, of course he's being mocked, you know, the purple robe. Uh, bring, take yourself down from there. Save yourself. Um, who struck you? You know, when he's blind, who struck you? Prophesy. Like, there's all these things of him being mocked of. Yeah. As, as I read this today, I was reminded of D.A. Carson has a sermon called The Ironies of the Cross. Like, all the statements that they make are really actually true, but not in the way they expect them to be. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah, they spoke with a with a carnal perspective. Yeah. Didn't didn't um, didn't that they say his blood be upon us and our children or also or something? Yeah. When Barabbas was freed? Yeah. Bar Barabbas. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty deadly yeah. I heard you that. He saved others. What were, um, before we go t too far down that path, what, uh, what were some of the words that stood out to you guys throughout these whole passages? Either repeated words or, or um, just words that really jumped off the page at you of prominence. Yeah. Speaking out of ignorance. <laughs> the same thing stood out to me is um, that he had mentioned that they made all these true statements in like addressing titles, but then it was in the wrong way. Without understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any of the titles that sort of, or phrases that were sort of more prominent in particular, or was just sort of the whole slew of the ones tied up with his kingship, rulership? The kingship. <coughs> Christ, the King of Israel, come down to the cross, and he came to 
Christ or Messiah, they were, you know, acknowledging, or in a way saying, okay, here's, here's the Messiah, but I guess they're not, they're not believing it. Yeah, yeah, that's tied in with the mockery, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Christ, but he kind of gave in to the crowd, the pressure. And there's other times where really important decisions are made, wrong decisions are made due to like out, outward pressure. So maybe that's a bit of a challenge to ourselves, right? To make the right decision no matter what's coming against us. I think, uh, I think it was, was it Zedekiah? The, the last king of Judah that he was, he, he actually went to Jeremiah and he said, well, what should we do? Like the Babylonians are pressing the attack. And Jeremiah said, well, go, go out and surrender and, and you'll keep your life and everything. But, but the princes around him, like the princes in Israel, the Jews, the, the Jewish nation around him, didn't, he was afraid of them. And in the end, he kept up the rebellion and kept up the fight. And the consequences were that he lost his boys. Or, or Saul. Sacrificing ahead of time, like when they're supposed to get to time. So that there's this pressure from the people that gets to the leader, and then they make the wrong decision rather than standing. Yeah. yeah. I think Pilate wanted due process. He was trying to find evidence, and he what he got like the, the, the reaction was, well, if he wasn't guilty, he wouldn't have brought him to you. You know, there's there's no evidence in that at all. Uh, but you got people staging a riot as he's trying to sort this out and realize that this is yeah, going you know, nowhere so in order to save his, his own head uh, by stopping the riot because if things uh, got out of hand in Jerusalem it was his neck that was at stake. What was that, Dave? Uh, in, in the Mark passage, Pilate asked the crowd, do you want to release the king of the Jews? Uh, knowing that it was out of envy that he proved his hand and Jesus over to him. Like he was, I, I think he was kind of taunting, like, hey, you want to, the crowd, he was like, hey, do you want to? Yeah, are you sure? He's trying to make them think. That's <laughs> what they're doing. <coughs> Pilot or somebody else that was kind of known to be pretty bloody. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah. Hmm. I think a lot of uh, the whole crucifixion business at that time was largely his. Okay. So as we as we see, I mean, he he's handed over here, and, and I mean, yeah, the false testimonies. He he's going to Golgotha, the the meaning skull or or I think Calvary in Latin. That's where we get Calvary from. Um, what do you guys see as we've talked a lot of his names, the suffering servant and the good shepherd and all of these, what are you, what are you seeing or how are you seeing and understanding as we're at this part of the story or perhaps revisiting for a lot of you, all that he's said before of who he is being sort of 
uh, fulfilled, I guess, at this point. Yeah. In our postmodern world. <laughs> For sure. I don't know if this is exactly about your answering your question, but um just the relationship with the father I see there that Jesus they don't record Jesus really reacting to the human mockery. But you can see his agony that when he cries out, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That, um, so I guess when he says, like, I and the Father are one, that that ties into that, that, that relationship was severed. Right, yeah. I mean, all along we've seen this perfect harmony, unity of the, of the three-in-one God, the, and, and, and yeah, and here he gets, he, he says that he's forsaken, and so it's, uh, something that has never happened ever ever like <laughs> eternity before and going forward now eternity future yeah that's hard to imagine yeah in luke it's interesting that in matthew and it talks about why you know why have you forsaken me but in luke it says his, Jesus' last words there are, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So he, he, it's, it's, a, it's a posture of, of trusting the Father. Oh. He's being forsaken. But then it says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So he, he's trusting the Father there in the, in the Luke passage. Yeah, and there's... Thanks for bringing that one up, Craig. I don't know how to best handle this speaker and volume and stuff. <laughs> um I mean, I think there's so much bound up there that uh, where it says he gave up his spirit. Is that in John? Kind of a same, same thing here. There was a, in verse uh, 30 of the 19th chapter in John, when he says it is finished, with that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So like there was, yeah. I'm sure there was the human side of the feeling, the forsakenness, and then there was also... The, the total his total God side of of him participating consciously willingly even at this stage of the game that there wasn't a I've lost and now an outside party must fix it um, but that he he yeah he as Craig said trusted and he also gave up willingly his spirit um, yeah it, it it's like sort of this double that's running along with his fully humanness and yet his fully God. And along with that too, he, he died before um, they came to take him down from the cross because it seems other criminals were still alive to break their legs. They would have died. And that would just speak to that too, that no fear of death. 
and knowing that this was the mission that was completed. Yeah. Yeah. Fulfilling a little bit of his own prophecy that he can lay down his life and take it up again. Right. I mean, he's he's still the author of life, the, the source of life, sustainer of life. Yeah. Um, as we think of, um, unless somebody else had another thought there, as we think of the of the hook, um, kind of one of the one of the big questions I really had tonight for all of us is, uh, as as Jesus cried out, "It is finished." Um, what do you guys, what do you guys see there uh, of it's finished? I mean, we touched, we sort of breezed on a little bit of it here, but I, let, let's kind of hone in there and what is the it and, and what are all the loops that get closed off with this, this true historical account, um, without going too far down the line, but at this point of, of the crucifixion, what is the it? It is finished. New covenant, the sacrificial system. Right, yeah. When he introduces the new covenant, this is the body of a new co- or body and blood of a new covenant, the blood covenant at the Passover feast. Yeah, our last supper. What he came to do, because wasn't it John the Baptist said, like, behold the Lamb of God when he saw Jesus? So yeah. He had done that. Yeah. It takes away the sins of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Atonement. Everything needed for atonement and everything that was prophesied towards what he would do to bring atonement was completed fully. Right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going all the way back to Garden Brent with the uh, crushed head and the heel being Yeah. Not literally bitten, but being uh, being injured and being well, gonna die still. That's right. Yeah, I mean, there's a few few. I mean, a lot of prophecies fulfilled, and and there's the, yeah, there's the the crushing of Satan's head that's happening here. There's the the is it the John um, three fourteen to sixteen verse that as the son of man must be lifted up and or is this I always mix it up. Let me just read it. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God's loved the world. He gave his one and only Son. And, uh, and so we often use that verse, you remember, in our sort of introduction to foundational learning. It's like, you don't understand what's going on there if you haven't kind of walked the journey you know, through the scriptures. And, and here, who's being lifted up? Jesus, right? On a tree, uh, a cross, a Roman execution tool. Um. And even that, um, when they said that if they looked at the snake, they would be saved, they would be healed. And that for us today, if we will look at Jesus, see what he's done, but look to Jesus, then we are saved. Yeah, with believing, believing faith, that's right, yeah. I mean, they were saved, the Israelites were saved physically from their malady of 
this you know being bit by the viper poisonous snakes or whatever and but yeah the the, the overlap the, the foreshadowing is is thick because now we're talking eternal rescue yeah i would say uh just hey, in terms it. of it is finished um is that he had completed a life a human life of perfect obedience to the father um like right to death i think that's one of the one of the things that's complete yeah all that the father gave him to do yeah he did yeah oh well brent it, what do you say that he, that he had to do the question is why did he have to die like this though let's put that out there why did he have to die why did he have to die like this like on a cross or yeah crucifixion Could you hear that? What was completed by dying like this? I mean, yeah. Prophecies? I can't think of specific prophecies about I mean, Tony, Tony touched on atonement, but you think of, are you thinking like wrath of God, judgment, payment? That, that's where I'm going, yep. Yeah. I know a bit along the line of what Andrew was saying that there is believe in the Greek that it is finished is actually one Greek, one long Greek word that's pronounced something, something like tetelestai. And it has a number of meanings. Uh, two that come to mind is when we were talking about our sin debts. Uh, a, when a debt was fully paid off, it we would say tetelestai, it is finished. You're your debt is paid for. And secondly, when they looked for a Passover lamb that had to be without blemish, they would search. And when they found one fully without blemish, they, they would say, Tetelestai, uh, with the idea, mm -hmm. you don't have to look anymore. Uh, the spotless mm -hmm. lamb is here. You know. mm -hmm. And so in a sense, Jesus was saying, uh, you don't have to look any further for the payment for your sins. My blood has paid it in full. Uh, look no further. It's done. Yeah. It's complete. Exactly. Amen. Yeah. And, and that's like sometimes we can glance over the sort of the most basic part of that. But it's, yeah, it's the substitute. It's as we go back to the, that image we had of the man laying his hands on the sheep or whatever, of, hi, of him stepping in, that sheep took his place. Jesus takes our place as our substitute. I mean, I know these are truths we know, but it's just like, it's just the simplest fact. It's like our sin debt is a debt that we can never pay. And Jesus paid it, offered it. You know, this we talk of the free gift of God, right? And uh, he was wounded for our transgressions, you know? I think that's important, knowing what the actual... Uh, language that what you just told us in that's what Greek said and our English is can just give us this overall picture and when we actually get what they said what they knew what right. they were saying in Greek or Hebrew when you learn those <laughs> statements it makes a huge difference yeah yeah it does 
I agree. I wish I could learn it all. <laughs> it comes bit by bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that whole it, the completion, the, the doing in obedience, all that the, the God, the Father gave him to do, to be the one that could say it is finished by atoning, you know, to make us one with God again, I think was all encapsulated with that it, right? And it was, I mean, what happens in, in what we'll cover next lesson with the, with the, the ascension, um, again, him being God and being unlimited in, in what he knows and sees to be true uh, and, and will happen, he said it as good as complete too, right? Because it wasn't, it was complete in terms of the payment was complete, but the sort of the revealed power over death wasn't yet revealed, but it was spoken with the same level of assurance, was it not? It is finished. He spoke with, with completion, uh, with certainty. And I think that's so powerful as we know who Jesus is as fully God, that his word is true. It holds weight and, and he keeps every one of his promises. And, and in a sense, this is a promise, like, because it's paid for and yet we'll see how he conquers death. And I think that's, yeah, powerful kind of, you know, give you the goosebumps kind of a thought. It was interesting too, as I was doing some digging around that, I don't know if we covered it in these verses or if it was a few before when we talked about, um, or when the verses talk about, um, he was offered that the, the sour wine or the vinegar with, with myrrh. You guys know just a little bit of cultural insight, what, what that was or what, why that would be offered? Yeah. And why do you think Jesus rejected that or, or declined the offer of that? Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Anyone want to add to that too? Why he didn't accept it? Yeah, I think it's, it just, yeah, to have his, not only his clear conscience, but, or consciousness, but it, to me, it, it, it gives this idea of like he was wanting to bear the full weight, not half of it, not. 90% of it or 99% of it, but the full effect of God's wrath on all of man's sin. That was our sin in full consciousness. He, yeah, refusing to accept the offer. To me, that's, yeah, it's, it's immense. And how much that kept his testimony and his, you know, everything right up there caused, leaves no room for question that what he did was complete and full. The, as you were talking earlier, Judy, about how we were to set our eyes on him as, as, as the bronze serpent in the desert was lifted up, I jotted down here in, in uh, Hebrews 12, verse 2, where it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, initiator, and perfecter or finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. 
So I that's right that's right and so that's that's the message even for us it's like let us unswervingly hold our eyes fast which he will do for us he will hold us fast there's a great song out there if you haven't found it he will hold us fast but yeah fixing our eyes on Jesus the one who is the author and perfecter of our faith who was held up on the cross bore our full the full brunt of our sin you know, it's, it's impossible to, to understand or, or fathom. Yeah, I'm not talking the physical side. I'm just talking the spiritual judgment of God as, as he stood in our place, what we deserved and yet could never fully pay adequately. We're to look to him as the one who completed it all. The suffering was just on so many facets. Every level is right. But uh, when you mentioned that passage in, in Hebrews, uh, it says, "Consider what Jesus must be thinking or feeling when the crowd was brought to Jesus." Thinking, uh, you might have thinking and feeling. Okay, remember what I'm doing this for. You know, hmm. the joy set before him. Um, kind of pictured somewhat by the mothers here suffering of giving birth there's a joy that awaits you know at the at the other end of it and, uh, and it doesn't really define what all the joy is you know being with his father forever at his right hand there's tremendous joy there but it's like all the millions of people who are coming to the kingdom of God mm-hmm uh, Not even, you know, perhaps there's even joy in seeing what's happening here, uh, or you know, throughout the time of people uh, coming to Christ being transformed, uh, people who are enemies to one another being united through Christ. Yeah, yeah. As we <coughs> think about the original audience, what what were the implications for this original audience as they see? what took place and I mean even the soldier who pierced his side and how he was impacted. What was what were the implications for the original audience that were there in that time? Well it was cried out, surely he was the son of God. There there was the acknowledgement that this was not a normal thing, the darkness covering the earth um, and that water, the mixture that there was didn't usually come out that way. The water and the blood that was already separated. Right. It's not normal. Right. And they didn't have to break his bones. He was already dead. 
at that point. That was not normal. Yeah. And the darkness that covered the earth. Right. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, the, during that judgment time that he was under God's wrath. Yeah, on the spiritual realm, what was all going on there? It's I wonder if there was fear behind some of the mockery. Because, you know, mockery can often be kind of a brave Robotic. front. Right. <laughs> yeah. Kind of that bullying, yet underneath there's yeah, fear. I yeah. If, yeah, if there was some fear, what if this guy really is God's son, you know? What do you think they thought when the when the it says the the temple curtain tore top to bottom, completely? Remember that that curtain separated the holy of holies where they would have access to what was it once a year, the the high priest and even at that he had great fear to enter where the presence of God dwelt. And that's inches. It's not just a little old curtain. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's inches. I mean. Before that, yes. But uh, my my son has or my kids have this one little book, the the garden, the curtain, and the cross. I think it is called, and it's it has this little jingle through all the way through. It's like because of your sin, you can't come in. Because of your sin, you can't come in, and it keeps doing that. And it's like when the when mankind sins, it's like they're kicked out of the garden, and God essentially says, because of your sin, you can't come in. So you he he removed them from the garden, and then. You know, with the lack of faith with um, Noah's era, it's like people rejected his message, God's message ultimately. And because of your sin, they could not come into the physical saving of the ark. And then, I mean, you just see this played through and through and through. And then the temple, of course, right? Uh, when they built it and they had the Holy of Holies, because of your sin, we're going to put, the, I want you to put this curtain in. You can't come in, you know, but for this very strict, you know, once, once a year uh, sacrificial atonement for the sins of the known and unknown, uh, sins that you've committed, the sins of the people. But then now we have this temple rent, I think the old, is that what the old English was? Rent in twain. Rent in twain. Yes. Um, what does that signify? What, why did that happen? Why, why then? Well, one of the things, with it being rent from top to bottom, I mean, you try to get the force, you can see if they started at the bottom and rent it but I've had this study about the father if there was something happened in the father that he would tear his garments from top to bottom and bare his heart that that was a part of symbolism so um, this here is the hmm. father that has torn this veil and opened it up so that we're allowed to go into the holy of holies now and what does that mean for us to have access to the Holy of Holies. We have direct access to God. <laughs> yeah, direct access to God. We don't With need a you. human priest anymore. Right. We have Jesus, our free high priest. Yeah. We can come directly, boldly to the throne of grace. Anytime. Anytime. Not just the once a year through someone else. Yeah. It's like, it kind of before, in a sense, even though he was near, maybe he was a little more distant in a sense. And now it's like, he is near, you know, he's right with us. As we draw near, it says in James 4, 8, as you draw near to God, he will draw near to you because we have full access. Yeah, there's no more barrier. There's, there's that, that chasm, remember that chasm photo, which is in here somewhere, has <laughs> been bridged by Jesus and the cross. And that curtain has been opened. Access to 
God, like his presence, so to speak. Not, not in the sense of like Moses wanted to see, see, see his presence, but we have access to all that, all that he is in a sense. Um, Right. It's inside of us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so there's that kind of a two-way. We can approach Him, but He has come uh, uh, and lives inside uh, to every believer. Hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's like, it just kind of clenches that kingdom come type. Like, who are His soldiers? It's like where His kind of glory dwells. <clears throat> Yeah, because they've had they've had such a reverent fear of that for how many years? Like hundreds, thousand? Was yeah, was it thousand at that point even? Or uh, it would have been about uh, fifteen hundred. Yeah. So could you imagine repeating that pattern for fifteen hundred years? Yeah. I mean, it also says something. It says something very different to them, which is that you know God's presence is. I think it would say it's left me, mm-hmm. it's left us, or whatever. It's you know, or or I guess it could say that it, you know, the presence isn't exclusively through, you know, our system. Or it isn't through our system anymore. Yeah. It's a bit of a conviction of their system at, at that point. Yeah. Good point. That part of the it is finished. That system yeah. that you're talking about, that is finished. But I can see how you're saying, like, yeah, some people who maybe are watching from a distance could be like, oh, man, we really messed up. Like, yeah, well, that's the thing, yeah. If, if they weren't tracking with, with what was happening in Jerusalem at the time. I think about what the, what the Pharisees would be thinking when they heard that. It would just be pure fear. It wouldn't be, you know, this awe, this awe and wonder that we have right now. Yeah. I wonder if it was greater fear for the leaders and more joy or sort of fearful joy of those who are maybe this... Not the religious leaders bound in pride in the same sense. Yeah, it is hard to say, but table yeah. talk. <laughs> and that may have been uh, the first sign also of the end of that temple. Uh, the curtain was written, but uh, ripped in two. And I think the temple may have been uh, functioning for about another 40 years. I think it's AD 70 that. Right. Wouldn't you say that's 
like the first step. It's COVID-19. <laughs> it's put us in a whole different light. And we have been studying this word and we're getting a picture of what it, it's like for believers not to be afraid of what's going on. But what is it like for the people that aren't, that are in the world right. to picture this? So get a, a relationship in that same sense of this, the crucifixion. Right, yeah. What we're in right now. Yeah, we have, we have the hope. Yeah. And, and people that don't believe in, in Jesus or the crucifixion, it's like they got to make sense of it with their worldview. With, which, yeah, I mean, we would say it would be more dismal, of course. But they find a way in, in their blindness to somehow, I don't know if it's a head in the sand or, or just kind of blinders on or that kind of idea, but... Before that, they had well, said they were secretly. Well, most probably Nicodemus came at night, so obviously he wasn't trying to make it too public. Yeah, there was still some, still some fear there. It says, "I'm just gonna close this for the time being." I'm feeling a couple of drops come down. No, not these thin ones. We're getting a couple of drops here, uh, remote people. Um, I'm just gonna do this with this for right now. But I'm not made of sugar as sweet as I am, so I'll be all right. <laughs> uh, so what, what are truths from the previous lessons that are important to tie in that we see here as we, I mean, we've talked of the names, the names of Christ as what he's brought forward, you know, the suffering servant, the Passover lamb. Um, I mean, we talked of him stepping in for our, for our sin. What are, what are truths that come to mind from previous lessons that are important that tie in here at this lesson? Sorry, that's a big question to kind of just jump on you there, but. Well, I wasn't here, but uh, <laughs> you said something about, you know, the good shepherd and, uh, you know, it says he'll lay down his life, his life for his sheep. And so, you know, that's what we're talking about now. So. Yeah, laying his life down. Read yeah. love is no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Yeah. 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 John's message fulfilled. Different stories in the Old Testament that either showed there was one way for a substitute, like the ram when Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac. Right. I got the names right. Yeah, no, you always gotta yeah, pause there a bit. Yeah. And in Romans, is it 3.23, it says that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so <clears throat> all of us are there. We are in the crowd there too, right? And we see the cost of the sin against God is horrible and immense. And, but he's the final substitute. You just imagine, again, being those, that first crowd, those who believe there... <clears throat> Realizing this is the final substitute lamb, the final 
No more of that system, the old sacrificial system. No more thousands, you know, you think of the liters and gallons of blood and the sacrificial animals and that whole system. And Yeah. Well, as we, as we had those sin that, what's that, Craig? Right. I deserve that punishment. I deserve the death. That's what our, yeah, that's what our sin deserves. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, the whole sin debt ropes that we kind of carried through and covered them with a straw was just God's forbearance to this time, this appointed time that was part of the plan since always. And, uh, but that gets dealt with now. It gets truly paid. Like you said, everything else was a foreshadowing and a a covering, a forbearance. Yeah. Totally, totally paid, totally atoned for. Um, I might have to kind of speed this up a little bit. <laughs> um, as I think of, I mean, not only the, the audience there, but for us today too, in John five twenty four and 25, it says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And then in 3.18 of John, it says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So pertinent for everybody then and totally applicable for us today. Um... And as I think of the implications for us today, as Jesus said, it is finished. One of the questions I wanted to, to, to throw out here was how, how do you or how does society try to sort of, you know, and I recognize that a lot of society won't even acknowledge that there's a sin thing to deal with. But even still, how do you or, or society try to finish paying, paying a price for something, paying, righting the wrong or paying what we've been identifying as the sin debt, as the Bible lays it out? Um, yeah, how do people today try to do that, pay, pay off their debt? right the wrong or just simply contribute to sort of what we would call their sanctification well, you see people kneeling to each other talking their yeah. what really oh yeah the police exactly white people are bowing yeah. are, are kneeling to I didn't know that was yeah, happening They're really asking for atonement. They really are. Well, that's current events, hey? And some some have said um, they will not kneel to anybody other than God. They are making their stand public. Uh, Wouldn't it be all right to to kneel to, like, people in the church family, like like your black, white congregation? I don't know. I, I Like, I, I wouldn't say that it's, it's like, I feel like kneeling in particular, I guess it depends what it's symbolizing, but kneeling in particular, it seems to be a worshipful thing. Or a, um, a respectful I'd be careful about it. Yeah. You know, I'd think twice myself. Yeah, I'm going to think, when you like, yeah. 
I'm sure Daniel knelt before Nebuchadnezzar, and that wouldn't be him. No, it didn't, did he? No, I think he refused, right? What? what? There's no refusing to kneel. Mordecai yeah. refused to kneel to Haman. To the, to the statue and worship. To the statue, yeah. yeah. But it, it seems like he was very is respectful is towards Nebuchadnezzar himself. Yeah. I, th I guess my argument against it, and, and it's not like I would uh, make a huge deal about it, but is that really we we can ask in a sense for forgiveness from other people but really forgiveness doesn't come from other people our sins are and and our sins against other people are really a sin against the image of god and against god himself and it's really god who who we, we need to ask forgiveness from mainly yeah well and, and, but if you sin against somebody you should make it right to that person too. yeah but i don't i don't see anything of, of kneeling to them it, what they used was in Esther when Mordecai, Mordecai, Mordecai. would not kneel, but all the courts were kneeling as to Haman as he went in, and this is how they presented it. That these people are now starting to make that kneeling down to to them, but Mordecai said, "No, I will only kneel to God." Yep, look it up. Anyway, I. I, I I would be wary of it myself. But there's, and I mean, at the heart of it all is, like, you, I think you hit the nail on the head there, was people want to atone themselves That's for what they feel they need to judge as right and wrong. Right. It's relativism, I and like it's... both sides should be kneeling to God. Right. And one day every knee will bow. <laughs> We're told in the scriptures. It is, yeah. I didn't realize that was happening. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, any wrong you look at, I mean, even even different land claims things that have happened not only in Canada but around the world. There's never, as we've seen a pattern, there's never enough to right wrongs of the past to one from one man or one person to another person. There'll always be, you know, sort of. It's not the playing field hasn't been balanced. That'll always be the heart, the sinful heart attitude. I mean, and as we see, as we revisit the hook that Jesus said, it is finished and it's him that's saying it, that God sent him, uh, or sorry, I should say that God gave him to do this plan, the plan of redemption. We can see that it only comes back to the one, the one way, the one truth, right? Of Christ, Christ alone, who can, who can forgive and right the wrongs. I mean, even in these tragedies we see with like things in Canada with land claims and people being marginalized and now this, the blacks versus whoever and it's in you know next year it'll be a different race against another race um the only one who can cover the wounds is christ because another example that would be less it would be like people who try to flagellate themselves or whatever else to make that Right, like self, even like self-denial, self, yeah. all of this, yeah. Giving to the poor, or giving away everything. Yeah, it's like the like the monasteries or the the, the nuns or whatever. Yeah, like. Well, I'm thinking just people in general. That right. Yeah. They're yeah. Will give money or whatever. 
So as, we've, as we look at God the Father and, and Jesus Christ in, in this lesson, what do you guys, what have we learned or what's been even maybe perhaps reinforced here or, or made more dramatic even? <clears throat> Let's start with God the Father. What have we learned or been reinforced about God the Father in this, in, in this account of the Bible? His holiness, that's, yeah, that's what jumped out at me. Where do you get that from? What aspect? Or all of it? <laughs> like, just that the sin did have to be punished. And that it was a complete, there was a severance of the bond between Jesus and God because Jesus took our sin upon himself. Right? Yeah, and God didn't change. It's not like he could accept Jesus with the sin. He's unchanging, right, in that? So, yeah, his holiness is just... Remark there, remarkable. His love, um, God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and for God so loved the world, like I think sometimes people get this idea that God is less loving than Jesus because it's Jesus who sacrificed for us, but God sacrificed because he loved the world. He sent his son. So just another bit there for your part, yeah great love that, um, if God's plan, they will be carried out that, um, even in this whole um, the uh, trial thing the crucifixion you know at that time it kind of, when you read it it seems like it was kind of chaos that every prophecy was fulfilled in that that's right yeah yeah you just reminded me that I didn't flip to our prophecy page here. I mean, we have here that he be rejected by Israel. We read that. That was from Isaiah 53.3. Psalm 69.4 was hated without a cause. We see that happen here. And Psalm 22.16, hands and feet. Um will be nailed and verse 18 of Psalm 22 clothes will be gambled for Isaiah 53:12 die with the wicked Psalm 22:6-8 mocked and insulted Isaiah 53:9 buried with the rich and that's how far we get tonight Yeah 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 there's many Yeah ones from Zechariah there yeah these are some of the ones that we've just highlighted, but yeah, his plans won't, his plans will prevail. Evil cannot, as we visited that hook, I think many lessons ago, his evil cannot thwart his plans uh, of sovereignty, uh, through his sovereignty and through his, um, yeah, everything he has set out to do, to accomplish, to glorify him and, and the triune God. <clears throat> how about, how about Jesus the deliverer and what he came to do? What, is, what have we learned about that tonight, about him tonight? He did it. He had to go through it all and even the abandonment of his father. But he did it. That's right. And he did it willingly. He did it completely. So yeah, he did it. He gave up his spirit. That wasn't a, I lost my spirit. He gave it up. He willingly submitted. 
without the myrrh, without the dulling of the senses, so he bore it entirely. Yeah, he did it in every aspect of that. <clears throat> Is that what you were saying, Becky? Or? Oh, I was just you said building. I was going to say he did it all. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Well, and not robotically either. Um, you know, with the anguish in the garden and, and the, you know, yeah, it just wasn't robotic. It was, it was real. Stoic or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in Gethsemane, Gethsemane, you see that tension of, like, take this cup, if you will, the human side of seeing the suffering that was going to come and also the God side of the separation that he knew would come. Yeah, like, we tend to think, well, he's the son of God. It must have been easy. <laughs> Something like that. But, yeah. But the Son of God has never been separated from God the Father or the Holy Spirit. He went through the same anguish that, uh, that anyone would. And, you know. Son of man. Yeah. Son of God, yeah. Son of man. Yeah. How about, how about humanity? What have we learned of humanity or been reinforced tonight? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but there also is like how could he be so blind because we speak of all the miracles that Jesus performed. Um and he even said something like I believe beyond the miracles I think somewhere. Believe sorry, say that a little louder. Jesus somewhere referred like you won't believe my words because you believe in the miracles. Oh, when he was talking to send back to uh, Lazarus and the rich man. I think that's where he's like, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, the, those things would have been well known and witnessed by many, and yet they still refused to believe that he was the Son of God. Yeah. They had, they had to willfully avoid the implications of what they were saying. Because even the Roman centurion got it. Right. Yeah, I think it's interesting that <laughs> yeah. he was the one who got it. <laughs> yeah. We probably saw very little. Right? Like, how, how much would he have seen or witnessed? Like, just, yeah. just that event, perhaps? And he, just he, the event of the crucifixion? The same, uh, For, uh, previous knowledge or previous insights. Knowledge about the sacrificial system right. And the discomfy of watching the way he died. Yeah. It's so different yeah. than all the deaths that he may have seen. He may have seen thousands of people crucified. Yeah. Even, well, was it Pilate who was astonished that, the, that he was silent before all the accusations, how he responded? So, I mean, I don't, we don't know what, it doesn't sound like Pilate was convicted to salvation, but it sounds like he, there was some guilt or there was some thing striking him. Yeah. What about, what about our enemy and how he works? What, what did we learn of Satan? I mean, we didn't talk directly about him, but he, he was in the mix. Yeah. Right. Yeah, deceiver, murderer. Anything he can do to stop the plans of God, what he knows of, the plans of God. Right. Yeah, he does what he thinks he can do, but he is limited. Pardon? He just he just plays into that rescue plan, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, in a sense, it's like when the other soccer team or whatever scores in their own net. <laughs> like because I've, I've just heard a few discussions about, like, did, did Satan know that, what he was doing? 
like in his part of it, did he know that he was shooting himself in the foot? And um, you get all these varying views on it. Um, but I mean, one of the views is that despite the fact that he would have known something about uh, this working, because his nature is a murderer, uh, that if he had a chance to kill the Son of God, he would have done it. But anyway, this is totally a tangent, but it's one of the things that is discussed uh, sure. by like, the, the academics and stuff, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, which like, yeah, yeah. something about what was going on. But anyway, I I have no uh, I have no opinion <laughs> And so you know, they try uh, at times did he try to push Jesus off a cliff one time and then they, they um, took up stones to stone him and yeah. Jesus escaped because it was not his time. Testament said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God intended to for good, for the saving of many lives. Right. Uh, one thing that stood out to me too in looking at this is like when he was mocked about, you know, save yourself, but yet he was dying to save many. It's like, he, I don't know the right word, not that he couldn't save himself, but he was, it was part of the plan to take on the sins of the world so he wouldn't save himself so that he could save many. And it's like, here we stand, we cannot save ourselves, that we need to look entirely to him. Yes. Yeah. So he could. So he was, it was that obedience. But he couldn't have and save many people. Right. Yeah, it would be one or the other, right? So as we think of the, the foundational truth of it is finished in Christ Jesus alone, what, what does that do for you guys tonight? Or I mean, not just tonight, but as we talk about that tonight, as, as you've journeyed with Jesus, uh, as you've walked with him, that he has finished it. What, what do you think? Or what have you thought in the past? Or as you revisit some of those thoughts? Or what, how does that make you feel? We'll get a little fluffy here. How does that make you feel? <laughs> well, I know over the last um, couple of months, we're also studying uh, Becoming Like Jesus with uh, Pastor Barry. That's his out of Luke. Okay. And we're hitting just about the same spot at the same time. Hmm. And um, there has been some things that have happened for me and I've had to look at it because of this study of established and knowing and really getting the establishment of Genesis like Satan and where all this has come and leading up to this and Jesus the rescue has become more clear and, and literally I've had to stop and say, yeah, it's, this is really hurt. But if I'm supposed to become more like Jesus, 
we're learning this is what Jesus did and it's like okay God you got to help me to do it because I can't on my own that's right yeah that's right you can't complete in the flesh what the spirit has begun So, I mean, the implication of this truth today for us is the work is done. Forgiveness is available. We know this. But sometimes for us, if you're anything like me, sometimes it's difficult to rest in that work and to, and to really understand that it's not my work. <laughs> I mean, I think even once you're born again, once you're a believer, you can have a feeling that this, there's a piece of the sanctification process that's up to you. And it says that he will continue the good work which he began until the return of Christ Jesus. Um, so that kind of wraps it up. I, I mean, I have a couple other things here, but I think we we get that we get that it was it was finished in Christ. We get that. All of it, none of it. It's not for us to do. It's not for us to contribute to the work that that it's offered and it's available to all of us. And 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 entering into that complete rest is available for all of us. And and let's enjoy. Let's enjoy Jesus, our friend, our not just our savior, which is the big part, but he's our friend because the wall was ripped in two. We have access. We don't need to go through a priest or, or a prophet or a pastor or someone that we just you know, respect and feel like they have closer access to God than we do because they're super holy and they, you know, they know the scriptures really well. We all have equal access. Um, and as you go through this week, just continue to ask. I know I've been putting this question forward, but just a prayer of like, Lord, what would you have me do with revisiting this truth? What, what do you... And again, I'm not saying that we're going to do the work, but, but as we revisit these truths, how's that going to impact my life today, God, and, and, and for the, going forward, you know? I mean, we all want to grow in obedience to him. We all, want, we all have areas of, that are lacking kingship of Jesus over, <laughs> over it. And so let's just pray. What would you have me do with these truths as we go forward, Lord, seeking to walk obediently? <clears throat> what are you leading us to do? Right. How do I walk to have a closer relationship yeah. with him? But there is still that aspect that, that we do have a part to play in sanctification. We have to teach people. We have to obey them. Jesus said, you are my friends if you obey my friends. Or in Romans 6, it talks about either you choose to obey sin, and then you're a slave to sin. You're, you're going to choose a master. You're either a slave to sin, you just you turn from God and rebel and you do your own thing and you give yourself to sin, or you you're a slave to obedience, to righteousness. You, mm-hmm. you have to obey. Right? In, in obeying Him, uh, the next step is righteousness, which leads to holiness, which leads to eternal life. And then there's the last half of Romans 6. So there's still that. Mm-hmm. There is still that part for me. So yeah. Oh, the, the other word in there um, obedience, righteousness, holiness. Right? Romans 6. It's, it's obedience, which leads to righteousness, which leads to holiness, which is the idea of being set apart, sanctified. Hmm. Yeah. That's great and trembling, yeah.
But I think the other, yeah, like I say, the other side of it is that God will God will empower us to do that as He comes and dwells in us and gives us that desire to do that. So, but I think there's just more of a maybe I'm just speaking from where I'm at right now. <laughs> but there is this aspect of like, He will equip you, He will empower you, and there is a choice. I'm not saying there's not a choice to obey. Or, you know, it's not like we are. Um, uh, yeah, what was I going to say there? There's choice to obey or disobey. And, and, and yeah, we're not robots or slaves one way or the other. You're right. Right. Then you go and live carnally or what? <laughs> <laughs> And it's taking up the truth that that he he did the work and it's complete, and now it's just wanting to love him more out of not uh, duty but love, understanding what he's done. His atonement for humanity was as good as complete, and yet there's more to the story as we look forward to next week. <laughs> Let's pray, and uh, then. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can revisit this time, this beautiful, hard time of history in the word that you recorded, that we can see that you finished it at the cross. You, you stood in our place what we deserved, the wrath of God for the judgment of sins. It's a gift that you offer to, to anyone who would believe that we can be adopted as, as your sons and daughters, um, as your scriptures say. Thank you for loving us so much, God, that you would send your son to die in our place. Help us just to um, keep this fresh in our mind as we keep the eternal perspective going forward in our days, in our weeks, just moment by moment, that we would um, be able to minister to others, Lord, out of the overflow of our hearts from what you've done first and foremost in and through us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your son. We just thank you for your blessing on this evening and even holding the rain and stopping it up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are sitting here in the... We're sopping wet, Craig.